Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the word creativity, defined by Britannica.com as the ability to make or otherwise bring into existence something new, whether a new solution to a problem, a new method or device, or a new artistic object or form. Joining me to discuss creativity in its many forms is art advisor, consultant, and curator, Maria Brito, who is a total force of nature. Originally from Venezuela, Maria attended Harvard, worked as a corporate attorney, left that to pursue her passion for art, where she has built a seven-figure advisory business, hosted the C-Files with Maria Brito on PBS, and is now the author of How Creativity Rules the World, The Art and Business of Turning Your Ideas into Gold. I am so excited about this. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Barbara. Thank you for that amazing intro. And I'm so psyched for this and uh, for everybody who's listening to hello, everybody. Uh, well, there you go, everyone. See, that's the force of nature. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. And by the way, Maria, you I mean, we know each other, but I can't tell you how much I had to edit down into the in your bio. Because I mean, <laughs> we could have spent all day on the, on the intro. And so I'm just going to put it out there. If you're not following Maria on Instagram, I'm sorry. Because that is one of the best Instagram, I don't know what we call it, feeds ever. And um, your take on art and your exuberance and you're making really incredible ideas accessible. It's just wonderful. So, and it's Maria Brito, right? On Instagram. It's Maria Brito underscore NY. Remember, I'm a New Yorker till the end of my life. <laughs> you are an essential New Yorker. So diving in, I, oh, wait, I'm cutting myself off already. We're going to come back to this, but don't forget, we have to subscribe to your newsletter, which is also amazing, but just, can you just put it out there right away and we'll circle back what it's yeah, called? Yeah, it's called The Groove and all you have to do is go to mariabrito.com, that's B-R-I-T as in Tom O.com and you'll find the link that says subscribe and you'll get it in your inbox free, always free every Tuesday. Yeah, it's an incredible read, The Groove. And Marie, again, is connecting everything about creativity to everyday life, whether it's like business or just functioning or tapping in. It's amazing. So that is a nice segue for me into, you know, I love reading the dictionary. The Collins Dictionary defines a creative person as a person who has the ability to invent and develop original ideas, especially in the arts. This leads to the beginning. Where do so many of us get the idea we are not creative, that other people are creative, but not us? I think first there is a an appropriation of the term that it went originally to people who are were in the arts, right? And so the reason is because when the term was first brought to the English dictionary, it actually had to do with a man who said Shakespeare was a creative genius. And so that was the first time that word made it into the English language. And it also had to do with the Darwin's, the history of evolution and and uh, and creation, and so when 
it was adopted, people always thought about it as it was something that had to do with artists or writers or people in dance or film or whatnot. And the truth is that it's not that way. It is for everybody who actually, like you very nicely said at the very beginning, anybody who can come up with ideas of value that are relevant for their businesses, no matter the business. And the other reason why people do not believe themselves as creative is because we are indoctrinated with uh, education and with formal ways of doing things and seeing things, right? When you go to school, they teach you this is how it's done and this is what you have to believe. And there is only one solution for this math problem and you can have to do it this way. But the truth is that Everybody can be creative. There are a million ways of doing things. Otherwise, we wouldn't have iPhones. We wouldn't have electrical cars. We wouldn't have rockets that go to outer space. If men and women and non-binary people wouldn't have ideas, we stop progress. And those ideas don't necessarily come from just artists. They come from everybody. So we have to claim that concept for ourselves, no matter what we do, because it's the only way that we can stay relevant and we can thrive. It's okay to survive, but I think thriving is nicer, at least on my book. Oh, I'm so with you there, Maria. I mean, that's one of my catchphrases. I think about that too. Well, you know, I say that all the time in the media. It's like, you know, if you're just looking to survive that speech or that media appearance, I might not be your gal, but if you want to thrive on camera, I am here for you all the time. But I also want to touch on something you just said is because there's also a sense, I don't know about others, but I have labored under this, that it was kind of an all or nothing. The same idea that, you know, Shakespeare was a creative genius. <laughs> Steve Jobs came up with the iPhone and I'm, I'm not coming up with those big ideas. Therefore, I must not be creative, right? It's just like this sort of all or nothing. And I think that too is a really damaging thing that happens with kids from a young age and then stays with us as adults, that if we're not doing something that's earth shattering all the time, it doesn't qualify. And that's absolutely not true. So that's a really important emotional and mental reset. You said it. Different way of looking. But I want to ask you, why does creativity matter to you? Because it's the only way that you can express yourself. And this is something that you and I have talked about in the past. There are 7 billion human beings in the world, and each one of us has a set of experiences, a set of, you know, formal education too, if you will, the things that you have done in your life, the DNA you came with equipped to handle this world is very, very different. And, and it, even in the same families, we see how siblings are gifted in different ways and doing different things. And creativity matters because we all want to know what you have inside of you that we don't know, that we haven't heard. It is the ending of progress. And it is also a way for people to differentiate themselves from their competitors. We live in a world where it, we just have so many options. And people who want to have an excellent business and serve clients, they have to come up with proposals that are creative and unique. Otherwise, how are they going to know that you are the person they have to get for this particular job or 
how is your product different from anything else and everything else that is on the shelves if you don't utilize your creativity? And this is the thing that also stops people from putting those things out in the world is because first is the toll order, right? Like the bar is so high and they think if it's not the iPhone, then why bother? The truth is the iPhone is a combination of things that existed already because there's absolutely nothing just brand new under the sun. Everything is mutations and additions and subtractions of things that are already in the world. And we recombine those elements with our own flair and flavor. And the other thing is that as we think through these ideas, you have to make sure that you understand whatever is inside of you is your own unique ability. And it's you know, whether you're trying to write a TV series or whether you're trying to actually, you know, have an accountant, an accounting practice that shines, you have to come up with the originality of what it is in your brain and and put it out in the world. I mean, people are afraid of, of being judged. People are afraid of not necessarily being that original. But if it comes from you and it's something that is something that you've nurtured through experiences, I have a, 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 a pretty good, you know, sense that it's going to be unique. And it, it, it also has to do a lot with being authentic and vulnerable, right? I mean, we don't want to show who we are because, oh my God, but it's, it's from there where all those things come from. It's from the, the, the truthful and, and the real experiences that the world has given you where you have an opportunity to shine with what you've got. Okay. I loved so much about that. Wow. Like you can make anything creative. You can make anything unique in your own. But the other that reminded me as you were talking was people who create or have original thoughts actually stepping back. And and sometimes the first thought is what would make this thing better? Right. To your point, it's not like I need to go invent some crazy thing that never happened before. I just want to make um, the communication experience better. I also think of like really crazy things like, you know, binder clips and um, file folders. Cause when I was a kid, they were manila. Like that was mm-hmm. it. Everything mm-hmm. was manila and a paper clip was always like stainless steel and a binder clip was black. And someone said, well, what would make that better? Pretty colors. Right. But, and that just, they arrived one day. And so it's, it's a really simple question, but I think many of us forget to ask what would make the experience better what would I enjoy better? What would make the interface better for me? So I, I love that. The other thing is about creating your life, mm-hmm. right? And we all do that, whether we realize it or not. And so you created an amazing life. So I <laughs> want to talk about all those things you intersected with. It's like, um, and the bravery it took to leave a very successful career, yep. to follow your passion, which was not a slam dunk. And, and not assured by any any means. And yet here you are years yep. later with multiple books and a TV show under your belt and products and all these things. So t- talk to me about like how you dug into like your own creativity. I think that's the reason why I do everything that I do. And that's the reason why I wrote the book is because as I try to tell my story to people and to expand and bring it to others, I've realized how important it is that you, anybody, people actually are happy in whatever they are doing. And this is not self-help BS, uh, you know, scratching the surface. That's not what I do. It is a whole lot deeper, right? And 
you know, I am a Gen X person and my parents thought that the best thing for me would have been to be a doctor, an engineer, or an attorney, because that's what decent people do. I mean, it was like, it, it got to the levels of like, this is what decent people do, right? And it's like, you're not going to go and starve. You're not going to be a musician, which is what I wanted to do. You're not going to, uh, you know, be a fashion designer. No, no, no. That's for other people, not not our daughter, right? And uh, when you listen to this message, day in and day out for years and years, you end up internalizing and believing it because children are, as you know, sponges, malleable. And, uh, you know, these are my, my caregivers, the people who gave me my life. And I went to law school. And so going to law school was okay. I mean, it was a good, excellent experience, actually. But being in the real world of attorneys was absolutely horrific and miserable for me because I felt trapped. It was uh, very dry. I didn't find anything fulfilling about it. And this was corrupting my soul from within, right? I mean, it's like, you have to be very honest with yourself. And I think that we are getting better in the following generations of being authentic and going within to see what is it that makes you happy. But not only that, what are your real gifts? What are your, you have to be very honest about that. And as I was pondering this question for a long time, I had my first child and I said to myself, I can't really teach this child to just give up on his dreams or turn his back at his real passion. And what is he going to see me doing as he gets older? Because I really hate this. And it shows it, it you know, it was showing so much it was like physically and i was exhausted i was drained i was like heavy i was it was just a very very dark time of my life and i spent nine years doing it obviously the very few first years it was kind of fun i was living in new york city and making a lot of money but then it just became horrible and that was the the birth of my child was the final breakthrough i needed to actually say this is just not for me and I'm not going to do it anymore because I'm going to leave my best years, my youth and my heart into something that is just not me. And that was really hard because it was something that I had invested so much time and, um, you know, everybody knew me as an attorney. So it was a shock to my husband. It was a shock to my parents, but everybody, I mean, nobody was going to say, no, you can't. Like, that's the thing. I was I was so determined that there was no stopping me. And when I took this, you know, plunge and jump and I decided that all I needed was to hire a web designer and a woman who helped me with communications and messaging and a photographer, that's all I, I mean, I had my 401k, I had savings, but that those were the initial assets, right? And I didn't know anybody. As a, Nobody was being my mentor. Nobody was helping me and holding my hand. It was just all about intuition and gathering knowledge as I was doing it, which was incredibly difficult. But I have never experienced so much happiness and joy and fulfillment in my life. And yes, I mean, it's all ups and downs, right? There have been seasons where things were not that great 
as a business owner. And there were, you know, seasons where everything was happening exactly as I had written it down. So I think that getting through the, the, the initial doubt was obviously a very hard part. Of, and I think any human being can relate. And part of being creative is really paying attention. And this is when I saw all the blind spots that other people who do the job that I do, which is basically building our collections for people and curating those collections and selling, buying for them. When I saw the blind spots in the market, that's when I said, this is going to work out for me because I saw a lot of very boring people who actually treated their clients more like a transaction like a broker of like, okay, you buy this and I claim my commission and, you know, next. And I said, there is a lot of opportunity that's that's not really being explored here. There is, uh, nobody was using social media. This was 13 years ago, right? I mean, Facebook and Twitter existed and they were not using it. Nobody was blogging. Nobody was actually educating people. Nobody was treating these clients like more holistic human beings who had different tastes and who wanted to know more about the artist, who wanted to be integrated without feeling the fear that the art market back then or the art world was so intimidating. It could still be, but it's less so. And so those blind spots gave me my impetus saying, okay, this is what I want to do, but I also know that if I tap into what nobody else is doing, I'm going to shine in this very dry space and I'm going to humanize and demystify the art world for anybody. It's just not for rich people. It's for everybody who actually want to learn things about it. And occasionally or in the future, if they have some money, they will buy. And that's what I did. And that is what actually gave me my platform. That's incredible. Because going back once again to the Instagram, it's so accessible. I've learned so much from you because it gives me a different perspective. You make, it's truly, you make um, a lot of concepts and artists accessible that I might not have known, but you also get me to look at things in a different way. So in that, I just heard access, demystification. The other thing too is as a creative person realizing it's kind of essential, I think, to be both curious and observant. And so then this becomes the foundation of your books. And we'll also talk about your course and other assets that you have is what have you learned from artists during this process that becomes the springboard for everything? You know, artists have a mentality where nothing has a constraint out of reality, right? I mean, you can dream and do whatever you want because at the end of the day, they can capture that on a canvas or in a sculpture or an installation, or if they are in, in the business of film, they just can't make anything they want, right? Ask anybody at Marvel if they are have any constraints of reality and they will laugh at you, right? I mean, whatever Marvel wants to do, they will do, right? And so what artists do is that they envision worlds that are not of the world. And that's what we need. And I go back to Steve Jobs. He was not an artist, but he was, you know, because this guy was envisioning products that were impossible to make. People was like, what is he talking about? And he just made them all right. And and again, like the, the tall order, but this can be brought to absolutely any situation and circumstance and any human being who is listening right now can ap- apply these lessons to their own business or career. How can you envision what's not there yet? It's because you have to be more ambitious about what you're thinking. You have to, see, because if, if look, 
if the answers to things that are happening around us and the challenges that you face in your career and business were to be in conferences in your area or in trade magazines, then everybody would be millionaire, right? I mean, it's like, every, but it's not. You have to want to commit yourself to see things bigger and like, outside right and outside of like your world right and you have to add elements and combine them and bring them in and and that's one of the things i learned about artists is that they are not in a box thinking well i only pay canvases these are people who as you also very well know artists and art they don't live in a vacuum it all has a relationship to our here and now, but also it just can expand and expand and expand and they dream and they make those dreams a reality. Whether it is something that we can live in or not is a different story, but to them it's a reality, right? I mean, if you paint something in a canvas, it already took a physical intangible characteristic to it. And that is a something that people should kind of consider, even if it sounds so crazy, daydreaming is also such an important part of business, right? I mean, we spend so much time tied to what I said before. This is how we do things, right? This is how we conceive that this has to go. And I always tell my students, and I, uh, when I give these talks in person to companies and whatnot, is like, I ask them to questions. Is this illegal? That's the first one. And the second one is, is it actually forbidden by the laws of nature, right? I mean, it goes against gravity, right? Like you still have planes, but let's say it's a totally against the laws of nature. Then if it, if it doesn't say yes to those both things, then why are you not doing it, right? I mean, like what is stopping you from actually doing something that sounds crazy or wild, if it's not violating the two first questions I asked you. And a lot of people don't have an answer for that. It's just that they don't they don't want to do things that are a little too far from what they already know. People get very comfortable. And artists always take risks. The successful ones, right? I mean, because the word artists can encompass a lot of people. And, you know, people may be thinking, oh, but my neighbor is an artist for 40 years. He hasn't sold anything. No, no. I'm going to talk about the successful artists, which are hundreds and thousands and, and, you know, and every field that you can imagine, artists are very wealthy, very successful. And the starving myth, as you know, I also debunked that in my book. There's no such thing as that myth anymore. I mean, that was like, because three artists died in poverty when the Impressionists in the turn of the century were painting in France. That doesn't mean artists are starving. They are not. People can starve in any profession. If they are bad at it, they will. And that's for sure. Artists are not starving. I just want you guys to know this. And when people say, I'm a creative and I'm a starving, I say, well, dude, you're like actually missing out of everything that's happening. Because, because I have never seen people in the creative fields or people in the non-creative fields, which is actually a misnomer because everything can be creative, just being and getting paid a whole lot of money for their ideas, right? I mean, people get paid for their ideas and for the ability to materialize them. So that's the other thing about artists, right? Things don't stay in their heads. Things happen. There are a lot of failures. People throw out canvases. Artists rip off sketches. They delete things from their computer, but they keep doing them. And that's the thing. You have to get the things out of your head and materialize them. I mean, how many things have failed, right? I mean, like so many things I've done and they have failed and that, 
yet they were stepping stones for other things that helped me out. I recycle ideas, I recombine them. I gain an enormous amount of experience through the, you know, the, the variety of different things that never worked, but I never left them in my head. You know this, every time I have an idea and it, if, I mean, of course, if I have an idea and it requires, you know, a hundred million dollars in capital, I'm going to have to spend two years raising it. But that's not, that hasn't been the thing that's consuming my mind. It's like, if I have an idea, it's usually about things that I can materialize. Right. And I never just like say, eh, let me just stop myself out of this because it's impossible. I never do that. If I can't not execute it the way I see, I find ways of kind of like toning them down or doing something that it's a little less ambitious for the time being until maybe something else comes and I can take that out of the drawer or the shelf where I put it and bring it to to the world the way I thought it could be. And you know, when the TV show happened, it was like that, right? I mean, I was making videos on Instagram for a long, the longest time. And I mean, it was like about a year and a half or whatever. And, and then I started licensing them to Culture Magazine and they were putting them on their website. So that was better because more people were able to enjoy the videos. And then a friend of mine who worked at PBS said, you know, you should meet with these people. And that's how it happened. But if I would have said from the get go, I just want to be in the prime time of Netflix or whatever. I mean, Netflix doesn't have a prime time, but I want to be the number one series. And I would have been totally disappointed because the materialization of that idea is just not so easy, especially where I am. Right. And um, I know that you work with a lot of people in media and maybe somebody who's listening has that opportunity to get, you know, a show on Netflix right now. I didn't. I may in the future. I don't really know. But what I'm saying is I went and I did my idea because I have an incredible videographer because I'm an amazing editor myself. And I said, this is what I need to do. I didn't wait for permission. I didn't wait for like the executive of Netflix to knock on my door. And that's what happens. People actually sit down to cry in their misery and wall in their misery instead of actually putting the ideas out. And one of the things also in the book is create more than you consume. It's important. Explain that. I love that. Create more than you consume. What does that mean? Well, it means that we spend a lot of time and there's nothing wrong with this. We spend a lot of time consuming media, information, books, food. And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But what is the output? What is that contribution? What are you putting out, right? I mean, are you just passively getting all this knowledge and wonderful inspiration through films and TV shows and podcasts? And what are you putting out? Well, if you spend, you know, five hours of your day consuming, then spend six creating. That's the, that's kind of, you know, what I'm thinking uh, as an example, so people can understand. And what is creation, right? I mean, writing, uh, filming, cooking yourself, uh, you know, helping people, talking to others, uh, being a leader in your organization, right? And, and jotting down your ideas and showing up on that Zoom meeting with your best face or showing up in person or, 
you know, drafting a new plan, a new strategy, or engaging in social media with your own content and not just scrolling mindlessly, right? I mean, you love Twitter with, and you actually gave a lot of value with your tweets, right? I mean, it's not, we're not asking people to actually come up with the cure to cancer, which I think it'll be fantastic if they can, but we're asking people, we're asking the world to actually give us more of what is inside of them rather than just consuming. Wow. Maria, that's incredible. Show up, participate, share, be generous with your soul and your spirit and your gifts. Oh my gosh. Well, that was a jumbo takeaway. I'm obsessed with your book, as you know. One of the things I want to talk about, because it's a big point and it comes up often in your newsletter as well, The Groove, uh, creativity and crisis. Because we're um, kind of at a serious inflection point right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that people also sometimes dismiss an opportunity that comes out of a crisis because they are overwhelmed with the situation. And since crises are mostly curveballs, right? And nobody's expecting them for the most part. I think that it takes people off guard and they don't know what to do in any of these situations. But... It depends on how these things get you and how prepared you are to actually take opportunity of them. Because crises are, for the most part, during a crisis, we have very limited resources, right? I mean, let's say in the pandemic, our resources were shrunk, right? Like we didn't have an opportunity to go everywhere. I mean, we were under certain constraints and the resources were limited. We couldn't go out as we wanted. We couldn't gather with people as we wanted. People couldn't go to their offices as as they pleased and whatnot, right? And when that happens, it just gives you an idea or a moment to find a solution to that, right? And that's why we have been seeing, you know, the restaurants outdoors and the, you know, the ballet classes online and the proliferation of platforms that do things remotely. And, you know, Amazon is putting more money in the drones. So nobody, no human being can ever cross, you know, your delivery path and things like that. Right. And the same thing is, you know, during the war, there was no money, right? I mean, like people lost their jobs and, uh, uh, you know, cities were destroyed. And the incredible boom that came after the war, the first and the second world war, and taking aside the Great Depression, because people are going to say that because they are so smart. Yes, the Great Depression, sure. But what I'm saying is there were moments in those two, after those two wars and after the previous pandemics and you know, the Black Death and the and the Spanish flu, what came after was the biggest renaissance of all times, the Italian renaissance that came after the Black Death. And after the the Spanish flu, it came all the surrealists, all the cubism, art deco, uh, you know, the jazz movement, all the most amazing things that we have not really seen, the concentration of that many cultural movements happening since the 1940s, right? I mean, and so we are just waiting right now because I am sure you know this statistic. In the past two years, more than 10 million new business filings have been recorded. So that means that there is at the entrepreneurial spirit, which is some, this is the most American thing, is the entrepreneurial spirit. The business of the United States is business. That's it. 
we don't export oil, we don't mine for gold, we don't have the best fruit or cows in the world. The business of this country is ideas and business. That's it. And so when you have 10 million filings in two years, which hasn't also happened since Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the, in the 1940s. Actually, those numbers were even much smaller. That means people are thinking about new ways of doing old things because they were not happy with their jobs that they had or they were fired or they just thought, you know, this is the perfect time for me to come up with my business idea. And we want those people to succeed. It's very important for the yes, economy. It's important for the economy. It's important for their businesses. It's important to hire employees. It's important to pay taxes. And so we don't want a deficit. We want surplus. And we want people and we want customers and million dollar different factors why businesses fail or succeed. And as you know, the statistics also say that small businesses fail within the first five years. And I think one of the reasons why is because they are not creative enough. I think they don't Find the sweet spot between, because, you know, marketing is a creative skill and so is the ability to raise money and so is the ability to figure out your absolute best gifts and the ability to pivot is a creative skill. If you see your numbers in red every month after month after month, if you sit down with arms crossed or you start crying and panicking, you missed an opportunity to pivot. And that is what I instill with my book is that you are always going to have to be pivoting your business. How many times have you pivoted yours? You're not the same person I met so many years ago in your business. It's a completely different businesses. Yes, the core of the media is there, but there are so many other things that you have embarked upon and you have had this incredibly ability to adapt to what the new world wants because you have been paying attention, because you know what people want, because you keep being curious, you keep asking questions, you keep reading in the, a lot of different media, not just one thing that is the eco, you know, the echo chamber. Everybody's like, oh, I just want to listen to what this thing says because this is exactly what I think, which I think is the f fastest way to become uncreative is to listen to just one voice. Oh, you said it. I do want to talk about your book a little bit more in depth because everything you've just I hope everyone's taking notes. And I say this all the time. I love the about podcasts is you can stop and listen to it over again. Cause Maria, you just, you're, this is, this is like a university course, <laughs> but um, a big part of creativity, I think, for, and this is me even going down the list of, of chapters and headlines in your book is, is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's part of, of, of being able to recognize physically, what are those sensations and emotionally what's coming up so that you can be in a position to adapt instead of getting that, you know, the spiral of panic or, or tears. Um, but I was thinking about, because several of your chapters challenge us, and I love this, is one is daring convention, <laughs> which you're absolutely right. But And that goes back to something you said earlier, because I think it's drilled into us when we're kids. So depending on how you're raised, whether it's your culture, your education, any number of factors, this your book is really about giving people a big old permission slip to stop and like, Free yourself from that voice and, and the cultural norms that say, no, you can't. And a big part of that too is when it's, if the answer is no, to be asking yourself, but why not? Is that, is that true? Or is there another way of looking at the situation? So we're daring, we're daring convention. I loved this one, sitting with silence and solitude, which is uncomfortable for a lot of people. That's why we numb ourselves with media and noise. But I also love so much of what you talked about. And this is again, the thing about creating is that creative is an action. 
It's about yes. movement because even if you're sitting still in silence and solitude, there actually is an energy that, you know, that's a choice and an action. So I was just obsessed with this. Listening to your gut, another action, risk-taking, creative tension, which I just think is uh, something we can explore because that again, sounds scary. And then of course, what you mentioned earlier, embracing failure and releasing control, which as a card carrying control enthusiast is one of the hardest things on that list for me, right? And letting go of outcomes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you and I are very similar in that in that scenario, right? I, I am also a little bit of a control freak, if not a lot, but I have also challenged myself that it's important to relinquish control. And it's a difficult balance because sometimes you you say, well, I have to do this and I have to continue going and, and moving through. And sometimes there, you hear the, the law of diminishing returns, right? Like you have been working so much and trying to do so many things in controlling and you are not getting anything back. And when that happens, it's such a big sign that you have to step back take a breath, even if it's just for like the next six hours ahead of you, do not do anything that has to do with trying to control that situation that is not working or panning out the way you thought it was going to be. It's not about, for, it's not about giving up persistence, right? I mean, because that's actually so important to be like, like someone who believes that they can achieve something by trying one and once more and once more, right? I mean, but when you are hitting your head against the same wall and you're not seeing results, two things, either you have to pivot and it's about time or second, please, you know, like step back a little bit for whatever you feel comfortable. You don't have to separate yourself from the issue for two months or a week or a day. Just give it six hours, you know, or something like that to have a little bit of perspective, to allow ideas to come in. You know, there is an incubation effect for every challenge. If you have a challenge and you need to come up with creative ideas, how to solve it, you have to step back after you have already dedicated, you know, all the five billion neurons of your brain are working and working and you are not finding that solution. It is time to give up of that effort momentarily, please, momentarily, and step back. And all the things, all the claims in the book, I'm sure you noticed, are backed up by science and by psychology and neuroscience, because I just didn't want it to be a book on anecdotes, or I didn't want it to be a, you know, historical passages alone, because a lot of people have like, but, but who says this? You know, I get all those challenges in social media. Maria, how do you call me of you? <laughs> of course, that's there because that's you. You're like, that's me. I was like, but who said this? I said, well, you know, like stu study a Stanford, you know, 550 participants, control group, watched by two years. That's that's all I have for you. So, well, that's because your left side of your brain and your right side of your brain and the and all the hemispheres, because I think you have more hemispheres than the rest of us, are always like, you know. <laughs> working like I do time. not I do not but your point's well taken is it's not just cheerleading no there's, it is there's, not there's depth there's there's meat with your potatoes except I'm sorry for the vegans out there you know what I mean there's there's protein with the carbs so however we want to stretch this and the other thing too that we didn't mention is every chapter I love the alchemy lab and the exercises and steps to put things into motion, which then I don't want to, um, as we wrap up, I don't want to forget to mention too, in addition to following you on Instagram and signing up for the groove, what you, which you can do through your website, is you generously, and I, I'm so into this, have a limited time offer. So for anyone who pre-orders your book, 
Yes. If you pre-order How Creativity Rules the World, The Art and Business of Turning Your Ideas into Gold, and gain, you gain free access to your comprehensive creativity online course, which I have done and is amazing. And by the way, I go back to it periodically when I need a little juice in my caboose, because it's true. It's even if, if you feel like you know things and, and you've been trained around things, we all need to refresh and get reframed. So just really quickly, so you can go to your website. You can go, like the book is everywhere, right? It's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target, Apple Books. I'm being so generous, I'm giving it in any format. There is an audiobook, there is a Kindle. You know, this is a HarperCollins book that is widely distributed. And if you want to call your independent bookstore, no matter where you are, they are going to order it for you. And that's amazing. And all you have to do is send the confirmation to book at mariabrito.com. And that's it. And you're in. No questions asked. But this is just through the pre-order. So if you're listening after March 18th, that is not going to be valid anymore. But I'm sure you're listening right before. So it's open for all of you guys. Um, yes, I'm generous. I think that they have learned the key to receiving is giving and giving a lot more than I receive. And honestly, that has been the inflection point in my life is actually to give more than I receive. And so that course is normally $300. Actually, they can participate of the monthly Zoom calls too with me and an incredible group of people who are dynamic entrepreneurs, artists, singers, doctors, and they all are incredible. So I'm opening that for you guys. Come and hang with us. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's important to have this type of community. Oh my God, I love it. And so I love the fact that when you tapped into creating more than you consume and giving all this away, then, right, then you're like, you found yourself in true flow. That's yep. incredible. Maria, thank you so much. I can't wait for you to come back and we'll talk about whatever the next thing is for you. But this is amazing. I, I can't recommend it enough. I have learned so much from you over the years and that how creativity is a part of everything we do. And again, it's a mindset and it's a choice, which I love. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you're interested in learning more about how you or your team can develop more grit and creativity, passion and resolve in what you do, please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com. I would love to discuss it with you. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.